following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. Well, I have the privilege this morning of kicking off a new series for the month of March uh, entitled, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. So I'm going to ask you to turn to your uh, Bible in Luke chapter 11, where the disciples say that exact statement to Jesus. And we're just going to look at a small portion of his answer to them. I do want us to notice that the title and their question to him in Luke chapter 11 was not teach us how to pray, it was teach us to pray. Um, I've often said that um, if you get a heart to pray, you'll know how to pray. It's kind of like if you have a heart to kiss, you will figure out how to kiss. Married a lot of people in my life, and I've not taught one of them to kiss. Haven't had to. When it came to that time at the ceremony, when it said, you may now kiss your bride, it was evident that they'd already been practicing. And they already figured it out. And to a degree, that is the way it is with prayer. That's the way it is with worship. That is the way it is in our walk with God. Because it isn't about form and ritual, it's about intimacy. It's about relationship. So there is no wrong way to pray as long as it's in alignment with God himself. There is no style that's wrong. There's no... So we're not focused today at least, not focusing on how to pray, but to pray. And I want us to look at Jesus' answer to them. So let's just read the first four verses of Luke chapter 11. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his (coughs) disciples said to him, have a water. Lord, teach us to pray. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This prayer is often called the Lord's Prayer, and um, I think that's fine. Um, And it's often recited by rote, and I think that's fine too. As you know, Colleen and I do a church service at our building, and we end that service every time with the Lord's Prayer because I know it's unifying. And because I know that though there are many churches represented in that room, or 
persuasions, that prayer unifies us. In Matthew, when Jesus gives that same prayer, he has just told them, don't pray by repetition like the Pharisees do. So I don't think in his <clears throat> answer to them, <clears throat> he was giving them a rote or something to memorize, although I think it's fine that we do. Thank you. It's not good for man to be alone. <clears throat> I believe if you wanted to say, I, I believe John chapter 17 is more of the Lord's Prayer than this is, where the whole chapter is in red because Jesus is praying to his Father. But nonetheless, this is a very significant, but I think Jesus was saying much more than when you pray, say these words. Did you hear about little Timmy? Comes home from Sunday school all discouraged, and mom said, well, what's wrong? And he said, well, they taught us in Sunday school today about two names for God, but I don't know which one's really his name. And she said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, they said, our Father art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Is his name Art or Hallowed? I made that up. It's not a true story. Well, actually, it could be. But I want us to notice that Jesus tells them to pray in that way, and then he leads them or gives them five statements to make. None of them are questions. They're all statements. My personal opinion some of them, if not all of them, could end in an explanation point <clears throat> rather than a period. First statement, your kingdom come. Sometimes we mold that with the other statement. It isn't, it's period. Your kingdom come, period. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, period. Give us this day our daily bread. Period. Forgive us, and some this translation says it slightly different than what most of us probably learned it. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Period. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Period. And I believe all those things have meanings, and I'm not, I don't have time to get into all of them today, except to say I don't believe, and I'll say it again, that he was saying, just repeat these things over and over. But he was saying, you can pray about these situations and these things. But I want to focus today on the statement he made, hallowed be your name. 
I want to suggest that he wasn't saying, in the process of praying, exalt God, glorify who he is. That is true, and worship and praise and all that can be part of prayer, but I don't believe that's what he was saying. I believe he was saying, because you were about to declare some things on behalf of God, understand this, hallowed is his name, holy is his name. You're about to pray in his name, not yours. When you pray, remember, hallowed is his name, because you're about to wield his name. You're about to use his name. You're about to pull from heaven his name and use it on this sphere. So recognize that it is a holy name. Recognize that it is a consecrated name. Recognize that it is a name that is set apart. And be very wise how you use that name. The day we're living in, we need to be very wise how we use that name. We need to be very wise. See, here's the, here's the thing. We need to un- the reason we need to be very careful is because our prayers and our words are so powerful. And if we don't use them in conjunction with that name, we can create all kinds of spiritual cross-currents. It's a reality. A prayer that is off is just, uh, can have an effect as surely as a prayer that is dead on. A prophetic word that is off can have a damaging effect as surely as a prophetic word that is right on can have a positive effect. We must recognize that we minister in His name, not ours. We minister in His name, not the name of our church. We pray in His name. We prophesy in His name. We cast out demons in His name. We declare things in His name because He's just given us permission to declare some things. Like, Thy kingdom come. Be careful. You don't add to that unless you fully understand what He is doing. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Be careful you don't add to that if you don't understand what he is doing. The Lord brought a bit of a correction to me and to things I've heard other people preach and that I myself have preached in that Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we immediately say and assume, well, that means that everything that is in heaven is God's will on earth. And that's not true. You're looking at me funny. Scripture tells us that in heaven there's no more tears. But the Bible tells us that God stores our tears, our earthly tears, on this realm in a bottle. Scripture tells us that there's no more death. But the Bible tells us that precious 
is the death of God's saints on this level. Of course there's death. The Bible tells us that in heaven there's no more sorrow. But Jesus promised that in, on earth you will have tribulation. The Bible tells us there's no more crying in heaven. Do you really believe he doesn't want that on earth? He says to weep with those who weep. The Bible says in heaven there is no more pain. And yet the Bible tells us that many are the afflictions of the righteous. And we need to be careful that we don't uh, get a theology that does not line up with his name. Does not line up with the reality. Does, does God, so thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, what does that mean? It means he's got a will for earth. Just like he does for heaven. But to assume that it's the same will is silly. It's two different spheres. It's two different places. And many times we pray for things assuming we know what God wants to do. And we're wrong. Because we're not. And, and so we use his name improperly. We don't hallow his name. We don't recognize that name is holy and we need to be wise how we use it and how we declare things. Now, I don't want to suggest that the only type of prayer is prayers of declaration. It just so happens these that Jesus said, they, they aren't questions. They aren't asking him to do something. In fact, the, those five statements that we read, they're all things that he already promised he would do. He promised he'd give us our daily bread. He promised we could have forgiveness. He promised that he's not the author of temptation. He wouldn't lead us into temptation. But they're declarations to declare on our sphere into our life. But I don't want to leave us with the assumption that prayer is only declarations. Sometimes we ask. James says it this way. You have not because you didn't ask. But sometimes when we do ask, we ask amiss. And so we ask in his name and our prayer totally misses it because we haven't connected with headquarters to see what we ought to be asking for. We haven't connected with headquarters to see what we ought to be declaring. You've heard me say this before, but I'll say it again. I believe when Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing, he didn't say or didn't mean, I only do what I have seen my Father do. No, I only do what I see in this moment, in this situation, what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear right now. Not what I heard him say last week. Not what I heard him say in this situation. What I hear him saying right now, that's what I do. It's moment by moment intimacy with my Father. Why? Because I'm moving in his name.
I'm His son. You're His son. You're His daughter. Hallowed be His name. May we be wise in this day. As we, I, I pray that out of all that's going on in our world right now, that it would spark a prayer movement. But in that prayer movement, may we be a people who connect with God the Father. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, but then be wise what you add to that. One of the most heartbreaking things of the past election was a number of prophetic declarations that were given in the name of God, and they were not correct. They were off. And it led to all kinds of things being prayed that were off. And we like to make excuses and say, well, well, the devil, do you really think God didn't see these schemes of the adversary? Do you think God gets caught by surprise? We need to understand the day and the hour in which we live, God is doing some amazing things on the earth. And, they're out, and for many of us, it's out of our box. It's out of our box of theology. If it's out of our box of understanding, it's definitely out of our box of preferences. And all of those things can shape our prayers. If we don't connect with the head for ourselves... I appreciate so much the class that's going on right now that Rod Marquette is, is preaching on hearing the voice of God. If there's one place that we need to hear the voice of God more than any other place, I believe it's in the prayer closet. And I want to suggest that prayer is a lot more about listening than it is about speaking. It's about connecting with God. It's about hearing what he's saying, because we don't want to misuse his name. Uh, Lindsay, can you put that scripture out of Matthew up there? This is a very familiar portion of scripture for us, but I want us to see it and understand it in the context of what we're preaching this morning about the holiness of the name of God. I'll read it off the screen. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Everyone say that, in your name. Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That next part is the next chapter. Sobering. 
And we need to understand that it's okay to have times when we go into our prayer closet and we don't know how to pray as we ought. That's scriptural. It's okay. But understand then that the Spirit gives us an unction to pray. And sometimes it's praying in tongues. It's just using our prayer language. On time I bought I who stole my Honda Shandalamanko. Why? Because our spirit prays and our mind is unfruitful. I do want to say this. I've been learning. I've I suppose the hard way. But I've learned that God's view of suffering is different than ours. And I believe I have a little bit of an understanding because I've been asking him about that because because And I believe the reason that God has a different view of suffering than we do is because, number one, he knows the end from the beginning. Number two, he isn't boxed in by time. And so he, his word tells us that your life and mine is just, that's it. Now, if we're in a position or a posture of suffering, it doesn't feel like that quick. But in God's economy and in God's perspective, if you and I go through a little bit of difficulty, it, to him, is so minute compared to all of eternity. It's just like, well, that's over. It's a little bit like little Johnny uh, skinned his knee and mama has got to put some mercuricum on it or alcohol to just make sure that it doesn't get infection. And it's like the agony of that moment, but it's just... And mom understands, or dad understands, that, it, that it's necessary. And even though to little Johnny, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Which isn't bad, by the way. Dying, I mean, if you're a believer. But the reality is, they, being parents, understand this is pretty minor. In fact, they being parents know, Johnny, you better be able to handle this because it may get messier as you walk into life. That doesn't mean that God doesn't weep with those who weep. That doesn't mean that he doesn't, he, he doesn't comfort us in our difficulties and in our suffering. But it does mean that he is not as nearly unraveled with things sometimes as we are. We have a tendency sometimes to say, how can God allow this? 
and we want to figure it out. And sometimes we posture our prayers to work against the very thing that God himself is doing, and we do it, and we use his name. And it creates all kinds of cross-currents, spiritually speaking. Luke uh, Anderson had an awesome word uh, on the 20th of last month about the reality that there are angels waiting to be dispatched by your prayers and by mine. But I want to suggest this, that if our prayers do not line up with the, uh, with the orders that they came to earth with from heaven, and it's like, it creates all kinds of cross currents in the spirit, because we're asking for something to happen that God's not setting in motion or going to do. And sometimes we ask him to do things because it's our theology that says, I guess he must want to do it. But we haven't actually asked him, what is he doing in this situation? What am I to speak in this situation? What am I to pray in this situation? It's important because I'm about to do some, say something in his name. And it must represent him. We see scriptures that say things like, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And if we don't understand what that means, we can feel like we have a license to just start declaring things, and that's silly. There's only one way that scripture will work. That's if what is being bound on earth is already bound in heaven. It will only work if whatever is being loosed on earth is already been loosed in heaven. In other words, we're simply... Because here's the deal. Prayer is a great privilege to give voice to the will of God on earth. That's what Jesus was saying. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I get to give voice to what God is doing or about to do. But I better make sure that it properly represents Him. Or it's just a sounding gong. Whose kid is that? <laughs> I know who it is. That's why I could say that. <laughs> it was getting too intense in here so we needed the, a child to bring a little bit of levity prayer is fun when we understand that what we get to do is represent God on earth whether it's in asking for things but asking rightly in connection with what he's doing or whether it's declaring some things but declaring them rightly because that's what he's doing Prayer 
is the ability for you and I to tap into what God is doing. Because here's the deal. Jesus isn't on planet Earth anymore. But you are. As he is in the world, so we are. Everything that he was sent to do, now you and I are sent to do. But in step with him, with his nature, yes, but with what he's doing in the moment. And so we get to partner with God because in reality, who else is going to do it? I know some of you think your dog can talk, but he really can't. So he cannot speak the will of heaven on earth, nor has he been given responsibility to. That's been being given to you and I as humans. He's given it unto the children of men, the scripture says. The heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth has been given to the children of men. Psalm 115, I believe. And we see it in the garden. Adam and Eve were given responsibility and stewardship of the earth. Jesus told a number of parables about vineyards and all, and, and servants being left in charge and all of that, of vineyards. That's you and I in charge of the earth, responsible to tend for the earth. So guess what? We do it the same way our father did. We do it with our voice. And it's called prayer. Or we do it with our voice, and it's called prophecy. We do it with our voice, and it's called casting out demons. We do it with our voice, and it's called healing the sick. But it all must be in concert with heaven. And in the timing of heaven. One of the reasons that we feel like we get so many unanswered prayers is we're not in step with heaven. Ouch. Our theology needs to give room for God to be God. In any given situation, at any moment. And for him, in his exercising his right to be God, that he does something different than he has ever done before, or he doesn't do something that we're just sure he said he was going to do. I liked what Keith Hazel said. He was a prophet from Canada, came with Alan Ross one of the first times Alan came. He said, theology is great if it works. But sometimes it's just like a pair of socks and you realize it's got a hole in it and you just need to change. I believe, this is what I believe, I believe we're in a time and in a season where you and I as the church and the church at large is having our theology rocked. Because God is doing all kinds of things that our theology says he can't do or he wouldn't do or he's never done. 
which probably isn't true. I don't think there's anything new under the sun. But he is moving in ways that we don't understand. And it, in some situations and cases is creating a suffering that we don't understand. And we need to be a people who are in prayer concerning those situations, but we need to pray in his name, not ours. And we need to pray his purposes and preferences, not ours. Prayer is hearing as well as speaking. I'm going to throw this in just as a bonus, related somewhat. One, one of the things that God has been teaching Colleen and I, can you put up that scripture from uh, 1 Peter? It's a principle. The Lord has been teaching us that we need to keep our relationship and our connection very strong or our prayers will be hindered. I believe that's true in marriage. I believe that's true in relationships within the body of Christ as well. What did Jesus say? He says, if you're coming to the altar and you remember that you have ought against your brother or your brother has ought against you, go get it right and then come back. But in the context of marriage, and in this section, Peter has been given instructions to the wives as well, just to be focused on the inside of the cup more than the outside. Nice way to say it. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Side note, that doesn't mean women are weak. If you think they are, you guys, why don't you just try having a baby? I told my wife, because we were talking about this, I told Colleen, I think the population would be a lot less if men had to have babies. Because I'm not sure they'd do it twice. Just saying. I'm just saying. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Here's what I believe that means. Men are like tin cups. Women are like china cups. You just treat them with greater honor and carefulness. Not because they're weak, but because they're so sweet. I'll leave it with that. Did I get any points? <laughs> she likes to use an analogy. Men are like driftwood and women are like flowers. I, I like that too. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. I want to close this morning with reading from Psalms chapter 2. Thank you. Who said that? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
I like you. I want to read Psalms chapter 2. I've been giving a challenge for the last several months, almost every time I preach, that you and I should be about the business of making the name of Jesus great again in America. And here's why. Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Catch the Father's response. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. And then he says this, Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. And the Lord has said to me, now this is Jesus speaking, You are my son, today I have begotten you. I ask ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash, dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. I want to suggest to you that Jesus has indeed asked his Father for the nations, and they have been given to him. And he is bringing his kingdom. It's not about this nation or that nation. It is about a whole new kingdom. And he is shaking the kingdoms of the earth so that the kingdom of God, that kingdom which is unshakable, will remain. And we can pray with that confidence and that awareness. We can pray with that hope. And yes, we see difficult things going on. And it should melt us. It should do something on the inside of us. But be above and beyond all that, we get our Father's perspective. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. Lord, help us to be a people who practice intimacy with the God we pray to long before we make requests and declarations in his name. We do ask you, Lord, to release and spark a worldwide prayer movement that is in step with heaven, and we thank you for it. Oh, by the way, John chapter 17, which is the prayer of Jesus, there's not one question, one request in the whole prayer. Every sentence ends with a period. What, what's my point? 
It's declaration. It's catching the Father's will and declaring it on the earth. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.